all in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and I welcome you all to Cosmos City Church and uh, my name is Elvis Masopa. I've been asked to uh, share what God has laid in my heart today. Um, before we even proceed, I would like to welcome those who are joining us here for the very, very first time, if they are here. If you can just raise your hand if you are coming here for the very, very first time. Amen. I can see my sister there at the back. And Kwanan Memola. We would like to say you are welcome. We are Cosmo City Church, and our mission and vision is to intimately know Christ and to passionately make him known. Amen. Um, today, Pazalwan, I would like us to, I don't know if this will be a preaching, it will be more of a reflection service on what is it, uh, I, was, I, was, I was intrigued by this question when I was asked to preach um, or to share the weight uh, this, this week. I've always wondered to myself or now, are we indeed coming to church with purpose? And what is that purpose? Because when I look here, I'm seeing very loyal members of this church. There are many of them. Uh, some have been here for years. I'm sure if I can start counting and say, oh, who's been here for 10 years, nine, you'll see hands coming up. Uh, and I've always, it always bothered me to want to ask Wana. Ever since we've been part of this church, ever since we've been part of the body of Christ, can we indeed say that we have been churching with purpose? Have we been coming to church with purpose? Amen. So, for example, if somebody was to ask you, somebody who's an unbeliever, and ask you, okay, I see you've been going to this church almost every Sunday, Kadi Wednesday, Umola, there's church meetings, you are always there. So, after so many years that you've been there, what can you tell me that you have gained from this walk of faith? And just by that, I'm sure if I can pose that question, let me just pose it. So, since... During the time that you have been part of the body of Christ, this is what I have gained to being a child of God. I'm sure in your heart you're already starting to make some answers. Okay, ever since I've been here, I've achieved this and this and this. I'm now this and this and this and this and this. And my other question that follows uh, that is, what is it that makes us, Rona as Banabamudim, as the children of God? What makes us, what sets us apart from other faiths? And what, what sets us apart from every other person that is out there? So you will see that from this question, already you can't mention things that we all compete on with the rest of the world. Forgive me, forgive me. <laughs> From, from that question alone, if, if I may just ask, how, when, you, when you start mentioning those lists, I don't know how many things you can count right now from the top of your head that you say you have gained uh, from being the path, from this path of, uh, of Christian faith. But be careful that any of those things that you are going to list or that you are thinking about are not things that anyone else can have or that can boast about from out there. So, for example, you can't count material things. Maybe you can, but clearly material things don't set us apart from the world. Amen. Uh, can I get an agreement? 
Amen. So material things don't set us apart or any other things that we gain by, by our own wisdom can't set us apart from the world because if we start boasting that, no, ever since I've been here, I've been moving from the smallest house to the greatest house, to the biggest house in my, whether in your street or you've moved to the better neighborhood, that can't set you apart from the world. It's not something that you can boast about. Amen. So, um, as I was uh, reading, uh, maybe let's read uh, Philippians uh, 3 verse 8 so that we can qualify that statement. Uh, Philippians 3 verse 8. So this is Paul disqualifying what I've just seen, saying that, uh, so he says, Indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered a loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain him. Amen. So here is Paul, a man who is hungry for God. He's saying that everything that I've gained, everything that I used to boast about, everything that I've gained that, I, that is tangible, I count it all. He, he says rubbish, Basalan. Uh, uh, he's not trying to uh, sweet talk it. He says, I count it all rubbish in order that I may gain him. So he's saying that he's... His hunger to, to gain Christ or to gain knowledge of, of Jesus Christ is so much higher than any other thing that he could have gained or that everybody could see that he has gained. Amen. Um, so uh, I want us to go back to uh, the foundation of our faith. If we can just read um, John chapter 3, verse 8. So that will be our founding scripture for today. Uh, in fact, I think we can even start from the, the preceding, uh, preceding verses so that we can get the, well, now what is the conversation all about between uh, this man called Nicodemus and Christ. Uh, John chapter 3. Let me see which verse we can start from, uh, okay, maybe we can even start from verse 6. Let's start from verse 6, but the verse that I want us to concentrate on is verse 8. Jesus, and then verse 6 says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born again. So Christ here is taking a nature. He's, he's trying to make it simple for this man. He's, he's using nature to illustrate the process that a, a, a believer undergoes when he is getting born again. Amen. So in short, he's telling that the work of the Holy Spirit in a believer cannot be explained, yet it can be observed. It can be observed by a changed life. It can be observed by a, a lifestyle change and a more godly attitude. And it can also be observed by a gracious behavior. And that is the few amongst the things that you can observe from a believer that you can say now, this person is born again. And that sets you apart from the world. You may be the same, you may be wearing the same jean as the next person, you may be smiling the same as the next person, you may be wearing, you may be living in the same house as the next person, but somebody can only observe you by 
the way that you behave, that the, way, the way that you conduct yourself, that this person has got a Holy Spirit in them. Amen. And then, so he's saying that this means that the, the Holy Spirit is quietly and unceasingly convicting an unbeliever of sin, righteousness, and judgment. But when the non-believer put on the trust in the sacrificial work of the cross, he exchanges that unbelief in him with faith. Amen. This is the work of the Holy Spirit to a, an unbeliever. So this is the process that we all, if, if we're all born again here, this is the process that we all went through in order to declare ourselves today that no, we are born again. We are indeed born again. Amen. So, um, so this new life in Christ is a, new, is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in the very heart of a believer. And because it began in the Spirit, it must be uh, a believer. That believer is to walk in the Spirit, is to live in the Spirit and truth, and pray in the Spirit as guided by the Spirit and should bow to the leading of the Spirit and His guidance as well. Amen. So, if you, if you remember Galatians, uh, uh, Paul, Paul had an issue with the Galatians because he was saying that you guys started well in the Spirit, right? But as time goes now, you want to depend on the flesh. You want to act as if now whatever that you, 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 you are gaining was, 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 was on the flesh. So he, had even, he even called them foolish. If, uh, in fact, let's go to that verse. Uh, yeah, I'll, uh, he called them foolish Galatians because these guys, they, they started in the spirit like everybody else, but now as time goes, they, they wanted now to, uh, to make us to boast on, on, in their flesh. I'll find the scripture right now. Um, let's go to Galatians uh, 3. Let's see. Verse 9. Verse 1. Okay. Let's go to Galatians. Uh, sorry, Bazalan, my things are messed up here. Quick. Okay, maybe we'll come back. We'll, we'll come back to that one. We'll come back to that one as we proceed with our sermon. Okay. Now, uh, like I said before, we must be careful that whatever that we are going to say that uh, is setting us apart from the world must not be something that we can contest with the world. Amen. So here I've listed some of the things that I, we can say as the believers that we have done better or that we should be seeking to do better on the daily basis. Amen. So when somebody says to you, okay, so when I, what is it? What, 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 what have you gained in this path of faith? You can just say, I trust in God so much that I no longer lean on my own understanding. That is verse 3. Um, and you can find that in Proverbs, Proverbs uh, chapter 3, verse 5, because you have realized that on your own you are very limited, so you can only lean in the understanding of God, and you have come to a full understanding that I need to lean on God, and I cannot depend on my own understanding, because the, the, the Holy Spirit has convicted you of sin, that you are a sinful man, you are a sinful man, and if you are going to depend on your own understanding, if you are going to lead, lean on your own wisdom, you are heading for destruction. Amen. Yes. Uh, and one of the things that you can also, that can only be, that can observe from the life of the believer is you live by faith. So, which means 
no longer do you uh, get defined by circumstances. So you don't only live by what you see. You don't live by what you see or your, your progress in life is not determined by the current circumstances that are around you. Amen. So your life is solely lived by faith in the work that is Jesus Christ has achieved for you, that has done for you to work on. Amen. Uh, let's read Galatians 2 verse 20. Let's read Galatians 2.20. Uh, okay. The Galatians 2 verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who live in me. And the, and, the, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. Uh, last week, uh, Pastor uh, talked about a very uh, profound start, the statement that I found very profound. He, he asked, why do we spare ourselves from fully saving, saving Christ who did not spare his own life when it comes to saving us? Which is a very serious question. When I, Jesus is not even asking a lot from you. He's saying, save me. He's not saying, go to the extreme. Yes, you can go to the extreme. Yes, he's saying that uh, you should be, on, be, be faithful even to the point of death. But just the service of God. How committed are we to the service of Christ? Because if we consider that this Christ could not even spare his own life in order that he may save us, or now why is it that we are falling short when it comes to saving him? Amen. Amen. Uh, we can also read Second uh, Corinthians 5.17. Second Corinthians 5.17. I mean, uh, sorry, it's verse 7, not 17. Uh, five. It says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. So that means our, our progress in this walk of faith or the way that we live our life as compared to before. We now walk by faith when we no longer walk by sight. Amen. So we don't really consider reality to be the limitation in our path, but we live by faith in Jesus. Amen. And then one of the things that somebody should be able to observe from us as believers is the way in which we conquer sin or the way that we deal with sin. Amen. We shouldn't be slaves to sin anymore. We should be the children of God that are proud to say that uh, the power of sin in me has diminished so much that the sin does not have power over me anymore. And this does not mean perfection. This does not mean that you don't sin anymore. But what it means is that when you sin, you are able to go back to your father and repent and continue in the service of God. Amen. Amen. Uh, let's read uh, Hebrews 12, uh, verse 1, the very first verse of the Hebrews chapter 12. It says, Therefore, we are, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So Paul is saying here, uh, let us not let sin hold us back. Let us shrug it off, 
repent and continue to move forward because the mandate that we have as the children of God is so great that we can be held back by sin. That is why Christ had to die on the cross so that he can deal with sin altogether. And then when you, when you encounter sin in your life, you are able to repent and go back to God, ask for forgiveness and move on and, uh, into the service of God. Amen. Uh, and here's the most important one. I'm not sure if the most important, but it's one of the most important. In fact, this is like the reflection of Christ. In fact, in all of these things that I'm, I'm, I'm going to count here, they must all reveal the true character of Christ. Amen. So, are you loving better since, ever since you became a child of God? Like, how is your loving? And I'm not talking about the loving of your husband or the loving of your kids. I'm saying, have you proceeded from loving those who love you? Have you proceeded from loving those who show you love, those who show you appreciation, or those who are able to repay your love back? Have you, have you gotten to that stage where now you are loving even the sinners? Have you gotten to that stage where you are loving the people who are unlovable? Amen. And if you are not, and you've been in, the path of, uh, in this path of Christianity for long, you must really reconsider and ask yourself, okay, one thing that we do not have as Christians, we know that we don't have luxury of time. Every day is a grace, you live it by grace from God. In fact, no one can say that I deserve to live until even Christmas. No one deserves to live until Christmas. It's only by the grace of God that you are going to see Christmas. It's only by the grace of God that you are going to see tomorrow. Amen. But have you, how's, how, how has your loving been? How, is, how's, how have you challenged your love, your loving since you become a Christian? Have you ever put it to the test? Have you been able to forgive that person that you have not been able to forgive for the rest of your life? Some of us grew up with family beefs. Ever, when you grew up, you knew that your family does not talk to that family, and Luena, you bought into that beef. But have you gone back to those people and, and tried to go against the current? Amen. Uh, this one, uh, if you can read, okay, we can take it as a note. Just read uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 27 up to 36. You will read there, and Jesus is saying that if you only love those who love you, who, who, who love you then that does not make you any different from a sinner or from anyone from any different faith that is not Christian. Amen. So and, until you are able to love those people who are unlovable, until you are able to love those people who are not worthy of being loved, then you have not graduated into embracing the new life that Christ has given you. Amen. Um, maybe let me just see how much time we have. We can, maybe we can read that. Let, let's, go, let's go read it so that... Yeah. You can see people can go read, but they are the only opportunity that they have on reading could be here at church. <laughs> so let's read it so that for the benefit of everyone. Uh, Luke chapter 6, we'll read from verse 27. Uh, let's read from verse 27. It says, I'll just try to read it as quickly as possible. But I say to you who hear, love your neighbors. So these are the words of Christ. Love your enemies. Do not uh, do good to those who hate you. Amen. Does that sound like, if you, if you think about this in your natural state, you're saying you won't be able to do so. You can't, you can't do good to people who hate you. Like, I mean, I've seen now even in the churches where uh, 
uh, you guys are posting them in your, in your statuses where these, these pastors are busy saying that, no, when people don't love you, if people know, not, do not visit you, why do you bother visiting people who are not visiting you? But that's, not, that's contrary to the, what we are learning here from Christ. Amen. You must visit the very people who are not visiting you. Those ones who are not checking on you, it is not for you to repay. That's leave it to God. When it's for you to do, do in contrary to how the world is doing. Amen. Okay, let's read quickly. It says, bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. To those who strike you on, the, on one cheek, offer them the other also. And from those who take away from your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, and, and what credit is, is that to you? For, every, for even sinners love those who love them. Amen? And if you, do not, if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom, from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies and do good and lend hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you'll be the sons of the Most High. For he is kind today, unthankful and evil. Okay, verse 36 says, therefore be merciful as your father is also merciful. Amen. That's a very hard teaching to teach to somebody who is ordinary. You can't stand there on the street and then as the sinners pass by and then you read them this verse. They will look at you and think you are crazy. But now we are not crazy. We are born again. We are the children of God. We have the spirit of God that works in us. That's helping us to get rid of this stubborn will of ourselves and allow the purpose of God to be the one that proceeds forth and give us a new life. Amen. I guess this, this is what we mean when we say that we are born again. I guess it means now we are no longer the things that are hard, that are seem impossible into the world, or now we embrace them as part of us. Amen. This is the life. See, Jesus, what I like about Jesus is that he didn't give us things that he didn't demonstrate as well. He demonstrated all of these things that he's seeing here. I mean, this man, when men came to arrest him there, he, one of his soldiers tried to stand up for him and then cut the ear of the, uh, of the other soldier. And then he was still gracious enough even at that moment to take the ear of this man and put it back and then still rebuke this man who, who uh, uh, this soldier of his was like, Amen, what are you doing? So, if we are not willing to speak to, to, to live according to this standard that Jesus is putting down for us, then we are not ready to embrace this new life that he has given us. Amen. And then, here's another one that is very challenging to us, not only to us as uh, the Christian faith. Forgiving. Bazalone, how are we doing with our forgiveness? Are we, are we forgiving better? Like, think about it. <laughs> How many people have you forgiven uh, that have done you wrong? Even if they are not sorry. I'm not saying about people who came, you know, sometimes it's even to forgive somebody who says they are sorry. How about those who are not sorry? Because Rona, as Christians, we are supposed to forgive even those who are not sorry. And this one is even more dangerous because when Jesus speaks about it, he gives a condition when it, when it comes to forgiveness. He says that if you can't forgive those who did you wrong, then even your heavenly father won't forgive you. See, that's a difficult condition. So 
this one has got a, the dangerous condition. So you, when you can't see, mm -mm, I can, I can give you one, two, three, but for this, never. Never You know, we have people who are still saying that, and unfortunately, even in the church, we still have people who think like that, who are like, nah, I wanna can forgive him for anything else, but for this one, never. He will never receive forgiveness. So let's read um, Matthew 6, verse 14. Matthew 6, verse 14. It says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you also. And then verse 15 says, But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. So it does not benefit you in any way to keep on coming here at church and saying that, hey, now I'm going to church, I'm born again. If you do not intend to make these values part of your life. Amen. It does not matter how many Sundays, even if you can come 52 Sundays in a year in, uh, in the church. That won't stand up for you when you get to heaven. You can't say, but look, God, look at my calendar. It's all filled with my attendance at church. But you, can, you, know, you couldn't just remove the forgiveness and consider these Sundays that have been at church. Because you are coming here at church so that you can be coached, so that you can be equipped to be like Christ. Amen. Because if we are not coming here with an intention to be like Christ, to adopt the nature of Christ, to adopt the characters of Christ, then... It does not benefit you in any way. It does not matter how many times we, we see you at church and acknowledge you. It does not benefit you in any way that you are not changing and becoming a better Christian. So, uh, let's, let's go on to the next one. In fact, let's read First Thessalonians 5.17. So, it reads as follows in my Bible. We'll read 17 and 18. It says, pray, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Jesus Christ. So, as a child of God, we should be able to say that, na esmo Christe, I'm able to walk by faith and circumstances do not define, do not define me. Amen. Because Christ is saying, I mean, Paul is saying here that this is your will in, Christ, in Jesus Christ. He says, pray. And uh, it says, under all circumstances, uh, you must give thanks. So it's difficult for if you to tell a non-believer, or I don't know about other faiths, to tell them that you must give thanks under all circumstances. How do you tell somebody whose uh, precious property has been stolen or who has lost somebody to say that, no, you must still give thanks? They will look at you and think you are crazy. But when I was a child of God, that is the requirement from you. I see it's not a suggestion. He's saying that you must give thanks under all circumstances. So you must practice to have that gracious heart. You must always consider every moment an opportunity to be grateful to God. Amen. Uh, let's go on to the next one because I think this one is also very important. Hona as the children of God, something that we should be also, I don't know if we should be boasting about or that we should be proud of is the way that we respond to tragedies, the way that we respond to tragedies, the way that we respond to uh, those unplanned circumstances that uh, interfere with our life negatively should be different from the world. So that means when somebody else from the world is looking at you and how you handle the loss, whether it's the loss of a, love, a loved one or when you, how you handle the loss of your job, how you handle those painful things, 
should be different. They must be, they should wonder, when, where do you get that strength? How, how are you able to be so composed even under those kind of circumstances? And uh, I'm, talking of this as, uh, I'm talking about this as somebody who has lost a lot in, uh, in, the, in the year of 2020. I didn't lose anything, uh, anyone with regards to COVID, but I've lost family members during this time. And I found that when you lose somebody, it is also an opportunity for you to show, to demonstrate the power of God that has been working in you up until that circumstances happen. Amen. So the way that you respond to these tragedies should actually set you apart from the world. You know, some people go through a lot when they lose their loved ones. Look, now we go through, we are not saying that it's not painful, but we are saying that the way that we respond to it should set an example to say that that's a child of God. There should be a difference between a child of God responding to a tragedy, to, to, a, uh, to, the circum to those kind of circumstances than the rest of every, uh, the world. Amen. And uh, let's read the book of James. Let's read verse 2 and uh, 3. It says here, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But, oh, okay, let me just finish it there. Says, let me read it again, verse 2 and 3. says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Here's another diff uh, a difficult one. How do you count it all joy when you, are, when, you, when you are going through something so difficult, something that is so painful, something that you're probably going to lose forever, something that is really affecting you negatively that you can't wrap your mind around it? But he says, he's, 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 he talks about something very important. He says that knowing that testing of your faith produces patience. We know that patience is the fruit of the Spirit. So he's saying that it's difficult to know how much, how strong your faith is until you go through circumstances. Amen. In fact, if, if there's anyone here who has not gone through a difficult time, I'm telling you right now, you don't, know, you don't, you don't have a true reflection of where your faith stands with God. Amen. Because it's only through those testing times, those difficult times, those undesirable times where you know that, in fact, you really, really do have faith in Christ. Because that's when people break. That's when people break allegiance with Christ. They're like, no, 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 no. This, this Christ thing does not work with me. It does not work with me. How can he allow this to happen to me? How can he allow this to happen? That's when now your faith is being tested. Amen. So, we must be able to be able to to come to, the, to that place of saying that, no, the way that I'm going to respond to this thing must really give Christ glory. Amen. Uh, another thing that we struggle with, I, I found that even myself also, amongst all, in everything that I'm counting, I'm not saying that now I'm exempted or anything like that, so I'm also counting myself amongst these things. So, seeking the validation of men instead of God. You know, uh, I found that in the, whether in the church or out there, people struggle a lot with seeking validation from human beings. When you do something and then there's no applause from men, people tend to get discouraged. Amen. So once you are a child of God, once you have graduated from being a sinner, now you have been transformed into a, a believer in Christ, 
you've given, you've adopted the new life of Christ, you must be able to seek only the validation of God. That's the only validation that should matter to you in your life. When you, do, when you know that what I'm doing, irrespective of how unpopular it can be in, uh, in the eyes of human beings, but if God approves it, and the only way to know that God approves it is if this word of his approves of it. Amen. This is the only validation that you need. Amen. Okay, let's read the book of Galatians 1 verse 10. It says, For I now seek the approval of, oh, so for I now seek the approval of men of God or God. This is the question he's, he's asking the Galatians. He's saying, For am I now seeking the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? Those are the questions. If I was trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Amen. So he's saying that, and I doesn't care whether uh, 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 whatever that he's saying or offends you in any way, as long as he knows that he's pleasing his master, that's all that matters to them, to him. Amen. So Basalon calculating this thing of wanting to seek approval of men when it comes to doing the will of God. Amen. How it's in the will of God, knowing that as long as the weight backs it up, as long as we know that the weight can approve that what I'm doing is right, do not look over your shoulder and seek the approval of men. In fact, the fall of men of God out there is they seek approval of men. They, do, they say everything that they know that men want to hear so that they can get applause. But you see now they are rewarding themselves through the bad sources of rewards. Men, men are the worst people that you can... Uh, seek rewards from. The only worthy rewards is the reward that comes from God. Amen. Uh, maybe the last and the most important one that is very close to home. Uh, if you look at our vision there, it says we want to intimately know Christ and to passionately make him known. So the last uh, point that I'm going to talk about here is the Great Commission. Amen. So the only thing that sets us apart from the world, that should set us apart from the world, is our hunger, our desire to win souls for Christ. Amen. The Eva Salonbat is getting it. It's a perfect reflection of how it's been going. So, but if we are not determined to win souls for Christ, clearly, Harasso got a feature to that point where Jesus wants us. Harry, different from the world because. We are able to dance with them. We are able to do everything that they do out there. But we are just stopping short at calling them to Christ. We are not, or maybe we are not convinced that the life that we have is so great that they will be interested to come and join us into. Amen. So, Bazalani, it does not matter how much you've been at church. It does not matter if you are not interested in winning souls for Christ. You are falling short. You are falling short. You are falling short. In fact, you are disobedient. Is that the correct way? Yeah. You are not obedient to Christ. You are disobedient to him. And you can't serve Christ if you are not obeying his word. Amen. So, a great commission is part of our, is part of our mission. Is part of our, in fact, that's the, that's the reason why this, this, this church exists. We are here because, in fact, you are here because somebody says something that wanted you to come and join this faith. Amen. So you, we, we, you can't be a, a Christian and, and then uh, disregard the great commission and say, no, when I is not part of you. 
Amen. Yeah. So um, I've just drawn up some of the, uh, the declarations that we can have once we know that we are fully grasped, once, once, we know that, that once we know that we are confident about our work in Christ. Amen. Yeah. So some of the things that we can uh, be able to say boldly is that we, can't, we don't set our minds on the things of the flesh anymore because we are lived by, by the Spirit of God. Amen. So that could be a simple question. Maybe, maybe it might be, be mind-boggling to somebody who's not in the faith, but if somebody asks you, okay, so when king, what, are, what are you gaining from this faith that you are so determined to go to? You can't just say, hey, the preachings are nice. Uh, the people are nice there. If you are not turning out to be the, what Christ wants you to become, house of Amen. So, uh, okay. Uh, and one of the things that you can boldly declare as a child of God is that you are now walking in the light of Christ. Amen. In fact, let's read, uh, let's read John 8 verse 12. He says, and again Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Amen. So how now confidence, okay, now I'm the child of God. I'm walk, you are walking in the light, Basalan. That's something to be proud of. That's something that sets you apart. Because it means that somebody who is not in this faith does not have the advantage that you have. When you are walking in the light, you are led by the most wonderful savior. Amen. Who only seeks, who only wants you to be the best that you can become. Amen. So, uh, Basalwan, can we make this, or can we take these points and many more that you can think of? I'm sure as I'm speaking, Luena, you start thinking, okay, yeah, actually, there's more that could have been added to this, but there's so many things that we should be proud of as the children of God, and all these things that I'm counting, should be able, or whatever that you decide that uh, sets you apart from the world, it should be able to last you even beyond the grave. Amen. Because if anything that you boast about can only go up to the grave, then high is not enough. Amen. We, you saw in the beginning we, we disqualified the issue of position, we disqualified the, the qualifications because those things are only as good as until you die. But all these things that I've just counted here, these things are going to follow you up until the day of judgment. Amen. And these are the things that you are going to be judged against. Amen. So can we try to reprioritize our things and let's try to reconsider our faith very seriously and wonder, okay, the things that I'm proud of that I'm a Christian, are they really, really worthy to last me up until the day of Jesus Christ now? They are only relevant up until I, I disappear from this planet. Amen. Uh, yeah, that will be all for today, and I thank you very much. Um, if there are people in our midst who want to be born again, those who want to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, um, I would like us to stand up so that we can assist them and lead them in prayer, and so that they can also be part of this faith. Amen. So, if you are there, you are sitting down there, and when I, you don't, 
you don't know what you are talking about. What you are talking about sounds like gibberish to you. It does not make any sense whatsoever. I uh, would like to remind you that you have never lived your full life and you will never live your full life until you make Christ Jesus your Lord and Savior. Until you treat your stubbornness of life into the life of faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Because he is the only one who is the perfecter and the author of your faith. Amen. He is the only one who, who, who has your best interest at heart. In fact, the way, the way he's got your best interest at heart, he went as far as dying for you on the cross. And there's no one who can ever die for you. And uh, Christ has already done that for you. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything. All that you have to do is to believe and declare with your mouth. Amen. Uh, if you can just close our eyes. So if you are there, please follow me as I read. Uh, Lord Jesus, I come before you today. I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. Change my life. May the supernatural power of your Holy Spirit convict me of my sin, of your righteousness, of your judgment, so that my unbelief may be replaced by faith in you. Heavenly Father, thank you that I'm born again by the indiscernible and unfathomable work of the Spirit deep within me. I pray that you will work in my life and little by little replace my stubborn will with your better plans and purpose. And I pray that you who have started a good work in me would continue until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs>